Now on Netflix, inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman, comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and its select theaters. Rated R. Welcome to Crime Shots. I'm Joe. She's Bree. Crime Shots. Welcome. Check it out. Halloween. Hell yeah. So we got some crazy Halloween kick-assness or what? Are we are we Halloweening? Yeah. Well, first, I, I forgot to do this like a several uh, past several epico- episodes. Episodes. <laughs> uh but do we have any updates from the previous ones? Yes and no, right? But I kind of feel like let's wait and let's do that Yeah, maybe next time. Okay. So, yeah, we do have Halloween coming up. Halloween. Do we have plans? Are you coming here? I mean, Are you coming here with your wife and child? Sounds like it. Listen, we have a blast. I'm listening. That's what I heard. We have so much fun. There's... Thousands of people here. Well, we're going to find out how blasty it is. Yeah. Well, you'll be able to see them all, you know, from from where you live your life up there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so, do we have costumes planned out? No? We don't know yet? I don't. Probably. Oh. I wish I did. I kind of, I had some ideas, but I just never went through with anything. So, I don't know, I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah. Has, uh, has your son come up with a costume? That would be up to his mother. I don't know. I don't know what he's got going on. The it's Fortnite be some is Fortnite real. Fortnite stuff. Yeah. <laughs> That's the same thing with my youngest. It's uh, it's looking like it's gonna be a Fortnite year again. Yeah. A Fortnite decade. <laughs> These things don't go away. Yeah. Well, I mean, with all the movies and stuff too, you would think that they'd be like, oh, I want to be. Well, that's the problem, right? Is Fortnite is incorporated into all the movies, or the movies are all incorporated into Fortnite now? Yeah. So every new movie that comes out, it's a Fortnite character. I heard one of the kids playing on the Fortnite with the with one of the kids the other day, and they were like, "I want to be Black Panther from Fortnite." From Fortnite, right? From Fortnite. Everything's corrupted. It's all from Fortnite now. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, there there was a movie. <laughs> the world is backwards. Speaking of Halloween, have you ever wondered, like, what started the whole? everyone needs to check their kids candy i mean what's funny about this is no i just never to me to. people suck right yeah so it right. never it never dawned on me that maybe there was an actual reason but right i mean of, of course there is right we live in a reactive society of course there's a reason it never but it never right. dawned on me that that was i mean i guess it should have I've always heard, like, the urban legends of, uh, your, you know, little Pez dispenser is actually, you know, drugs. It's pills that people are roofing you. Or, like, your candy bars have razor blades in them. Yep. It turns out it's not necessarily something that parents just made up. Oh, so we're not, so we're not doing a Halloween episode. We're ruining Halloween for everyone. Is that what we're doing? We're giving out the reasons why you should freak out about Halloween. We're just, we 
are just going to inform everyone of why they should be paranoid for Halloween. Congratulations. That clown might be evil, after all. Yeah, so it's not something that parents just came up with to, you know, throw kids candy right. away. Right. I, see, I always thought it was so you could steal your kids' candy. You get to go through it first, right? Yeah. And eat the candy you want. And then you can give it to them after you're done with it because you ate all the bad candy. Yeah, I just eat their candy. I don't. <laughs> you don't need an excuse? <laughs> I need nothing. I gave you life, so you're going to give me candy. <laughs> <laughs> Life for candy. It's a trade. <laughs> right. Um, so anyway, so this is going to be yet another Candyman. Candyman in Texas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. In 1974, a small neighborhood in Deer Park, Texas, prepare for a night of trick-or-treating. Um, Deer Park is southeast suburb of Houston, just outside of Pasadena. Yep. I've never heard of Deer Park, but... I know exactly where Deer Park is. Oh, do you? Mm-hmm. So it's funny because I, I, you know, I was looking up Deer Park because obviously I don't know anything about it. But you know how I, I like to look up like what places are most known for, right? Like we had the roses fiasco, right? The roses. So, uh, Deer Park. When you look it up, it says that it's known for the Battle of San Jacinto. What? But when you search. The Battle of San Jacinto, the results show Pasadena. Well, they're kind of... <laughs> when you search Pasadena, <laughs> it doesn't say anything about the Battle of San Jacinto. <laughs> so, so I guess... So Google's not your friend on this one. Not on this particular situation, but let's just say, I guess it happened in that area. I don't know. I feel anyway. like we got to get to the bottom of this. Well, I mean, it was... I don't know. I guess maybe because there's nothing else that for it to be known for, maybe. And so it's just in close proximity of... Well, you know? Deer Park is... Deer, Deer Park is a... It's a big industrial town. Uh-huh. Like, everything... All the, all the industrial stuff, or a lot of industrial stuff in Houston is there. Okay. So... I know the Houston Area Safety Council building, the old Houston Area Safety Council building, is actually our union hall now. Oh. So we probably don't have to put that in there. but. You know what? I like to leave stuff in. I like to keep it organic. Yup. <laughs> anyway, um, so a couple of families get together in Deer Park to take their kids out for Halloween. So Jim and Lillian Bates lived on Briarwood Court 
and they made plans to take their kids, Mark and Kim, trick-or-treating. Jim works for Houston Lighting Company, and I didn't find an occupation for Lillian. So, I'm not going to assume she was a homemaker, just because she's a woman, although that's looking like that's probably the case. Um, but Lillian decided to stay back at the house to hand out candy while Jim took on the responsibility of walking the kids around. So Jim teamed up with a fellow dad in the neighborhood, Ronald O'Brien. So Ronald is married to Daneen, who I also can't find an occupation for but uh she also stay, stays back to hand out candy um while ronald takes their kids tim and elizabeth trick-or-treat okay let me let me let's go back real quick okay so jim works at houston lighting jim works for houston lighting company and it's literally called houston lighting company it's not houston power and light i mean it might be now this is 1974. Well, the reason I say this, uh-huh. the reason I'm asking this, uh-huh. is because Dean Coral, the other Candyman, worked <laughs> at Houston Power and Light. So, <laughs> I'd like to think this is not a product of Houston Power and Light, and maybe we need to look into new serial killers that happen to work there. <laughs> our, ne- our next episode... We investigate. It's going to be the Houston Power and Light. The Houston Power Company. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, no, anyway, so he works for Houston Lighting Company. I mean, are we not going to get to the bottom of this? We're just going to breeze by this? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it's the same company. It's irrelevant. Oh, it's not. It is for now. This is serious. Where I'm talking about the team of neighbors that get together to take their kids trick-or-treating right. for Halloween. All right. Let's get back to Jim and Ronald. Okay. And their lady so, friends and their children's. Right. So their wives stay back. Ronald is an optometrist. Okay. And he comes straight from work, so he's actually still wearing his, like, white coat from work. Mm-hmm. And he just he just rolls with it. So, as Halloween goes, because I'm not really sure how it's done around the world, if at all, kids, you you know, because we're pretty popular in Indonesia. I don't know if you know that. (laughs) I wonder if Indonesia celebrates Halloween. I don't know. Maybe they should tell us. Find us on Facebook and Instagram and let us know. There you go. Anyway, so kids usually walk door to door and they dress up in costumes um, currently, it's a lot of Fortnite, and they approach houses that have their lights on, and they get candy. And I say... That's pretty much it. Yeah, I say houses that have their lights on, because I don't know if you grew up like that, but I did. If you have your light turned off, it means you're either not participating, or you're out of candy. Right. You don't go up to houses that are dark. They're not in the game. Right. So, this small group is doing just that, and I should mention it was slightly raining, but they went anyway. Okay. So, they come up on a house that's kind of like, I don't want to say empty, 
but it doesn't have like a crowd of kids kids around it. Were the lights on? Apparently the light the light was on. So the group goes up to the house. the The plan that they're doing here, Jim stays out by the road, while Ronald walks up to the door with the kids. Okay. So that's what they did. Um, this was at forty one twelve Dunrail Street. They knock several times, and the kids they eventually get impatient, right? They're they want candy. Nobody's coming to the door. They're getting wet. They can hear movement inside the house. So Ronald's like, he tells Jim, go on ahead and go with the kids to the next house. I'll wait here for the people to answer the door so they don't think that we like ding dong ditched them. Right. And so he stays there. They go to the next house. And it doesn't take long before he catches back up to them with the candy that the house finally produced. Oh, so somebody came to the door. Yeah. And there was no explanation? Um. Um. Well, you know, we'll see. So. Anyway, so he. You know, he's walking up to the group and he's like, hey, you know, here's what they gave me. And it's giant pixie sticks. Yep. So I don't know if everyone knows what these are. But these are a pretty big deal. I used to love these things when I was a kid. They are they are two foot long straws. They're huge. With sugar in them. Yeah. And they're stapled on on one end, I guess. Are they stapled no, on both ends? No. No, they're not stapled. No, they're they're like whatever you they're call like, it. I guess they're just sealed on one end. Yeah, it's like uh like factory seal, like heat seal. Right. Because, I mean, because the tube is plastic, so it's, like, melted together on each end yeah, to seal it. But it's basically, yeah, like you said, it's full, of, it's just, like, powdered sugar. Yep. So it yeah. reminds me of when we were kids, we used to, and this may just be super country, but I used to, like, mixing Kool-Aid powder and sugar and just eating it with a spoon. I don't know if that's country. I loved it. But, it was so good. Yeah, I never messed with it. I don't know that I've had Kool-Aid <gasps> maybe one time in my life. Maybe one time. You grew up here, right? Mm-hmm. Just wasn't a thing around us. Mm-mm-mm. Kool-Aid yeah. and iced tea. Sweet tea. Don't get it twisted. Sweet iced tea. There you go. If it's regular, it's poison. Right, it is poison. Those are the two things we always had in the fridge. And then there was always Diet, Diet Pepsi close by. Yep. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. It's a staple. It's a staple. Oh, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I felt it. I, th- I kind of thought it was odd that this neighbor's just handing out giant pixie sticks. But then again. I mean, they're not the most common candy in the world, but I don't think it'd be anything. Obviously, you're not going to suspect anything because it's a giant pixie stick. I don't. Right. And I got to thinking about it, and I have a neighbor that hands out full sized chocolate bars. Dang. Like, I mean, they're, most of them hand out the minis, but I'm talking full sized right. Snickers, Hershey, like 
full-size chocolate bars. That says I care, you know? Yeah. And That's I'm and I they care. don't run out quickly. That's pretty so, awesome. Yeah. We need to go there. We need to check them out. The, we do. We always do. They're just a couple houses down. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, like I said, everyone's different. You're going to come to my house and you're going to get dum-dums, okay? Um, there's different sizes of pixie sticks. And these are the real big ones, contrary to what you may read in some of the newspaper articles. They're not the small paper ones. Right. Hated those. There were several news articles that are like, the, they're, it's it's powdered sugar put in paper. But No, no, no. These were the big ones. These were the awesome ones. These were yeah. the ones you wanted. These right. weren't the ones you didn't want. The paper gets soggy, tastes like crap. Yeah, no. This no is fun. plastic. It's solid. High The quality. container's not going anywhere. Yep. So it's good. So the person at the house had actually given him five sticks. So he gave four to the kids that were in the group with him. You know, his two kids, Jim's two kids. And then there happened to be a kid walking by that went to their church. So he was just like, mm. here you go. Eventually they call it a night and they head home. But when Randall got home with the kids, Daneen decided she was going to go visit a friend and left Ronald at home to put the kids to bed. So Daneen leaves. Ronald tells the kids they can have one piece of candy before bed. Tim chooses his piece and Elizabeth chooses her piece. Those are his kids, Timothy and Elizabeth. Yep. Tim had a hard time getting his candy unwrapped, though, so his dad helps him squeeze the candy out. Which is kind of unusual, because Tim chose the giant pixie stick. Okay, when you say squeeze the candy out and unwrapped, uh huh. so he was trying to get the pixie stick, stick open, and he couldn't get the pixie stick open. He couldn't get the loose powder out of the pixie stick. Out of the pixie stick. Okay. See, is it unusual to you? Yep. So it's unusual to me too because if you don't know, a pixie stick is literally loose powder sugar. It's not right. something you should have to squeeze out or have trouble no, getting out. No, if you're out. having to, yeah, if you're having to fight it to get it out, it's got it got wet somehow. Yeah, unless there's moisture in it somehow. Right. Which would tell me you probably don't want to mess with it, not because you're suspicious of anything, but because it's been open to the elements at a minimum, right? Right, right. I mean, like I said, it was raining. Yeah. So it's possible that it had been opened at some point and it got rain in it. Okay. Tim said he didn't like it because it tasted bitter. So he was like, I don't like that. So Ronald grabbed him some Kool-Aid to wash it down. Because this is Texas, and we drink Kool-Aid. I mean, I didn't, but Except I guess Joe. we do. I just, yeah. Well, you're kind of different anyway. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> be alright. Uh, just a few minutes later, Tim's starts. He Tim starts complaining that his stomach hurts, and he runs to the restroom and throws up. Uh. And then. His little body starts convulsing as if he's having a seizure. So Ronald starts freaking out and calls an ambulance. 
They get to the hospital, and less than an hour later, Tim is pronounced dead at eight years old. Oh my god. And doctors have no clue what is going on. But Ronald remembered Tim complaining about the candy tasting bitter. Pixie stick, right. Right, so investigators immediately want to go get a hold of those pixie sticks. Yeah. So Harris County Prosecutor Mike Hinton uh, was actually working police intake that night, and he got the call. The call came from the Pasadena police saying that an eight-year-old boy had died. So a little bit of background on Mike. Mike graduated from the University of Texas with a bachelor's degree in finance. He then went on to UT Law School graduating in 1967. That same year, he became a prosecutor in Amarillo and stayed there for three years, then moved to Houston in 1970 when he was hired by the Harris County District Attorney's Office. Yeah, he probably would have been hired sooner if he'd have gone to A&M. Just saying. I don't know. (laughs) Saw him off? Those is fighting words. Not for me, but... Here we are. I'm sure people that listen, oh, dad. Well, you know, this one, this one's going to stand right here. <laughs> it's just going to stay right there. And it's just, <laughs> yeah. While he was there, he helped form the Special Crimes Bureau and was also active in the Texas District and County Attorney Association. Okay. So he's a seasoned prosecutor. Yeah. Luckily. They were able to collect all of the pixie sticks before any other children were injured. Oh, thank God. One of the little boys was actually asleep in bed holding onto the stick because he was trying to eat it and he could never get it open. Wow. (laughs) Uh, So Ronald told authorities about the house he had received the powdered candy from. It was determined that the owners of the home were Courtney and Carolyn Melvin. Courtney and Carolyn. Uh-huh. Are we talking two females? No, sir. So Courtney is a dude. Yes. Well, that's why. <laughs> We've talked about names before. See, you name your kids screwed up names, and they end up going out and trying to poison people. This is a safety hazard. I have I have no room to talk about people's names because look at me and my sisters, okay? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean that's not you know, if it was Steve, I'd get it. Yeah. You know, if 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 one of y'all was named Steve, sure. You'd probably yeah. would have been a serial killer though. Right. You know? That's true. Courtney says he left the home around one thirty PM to go to work and didn't get home until around 10:45 p.m. after the trick or treating was already over. Mm, not buying it. <laughs> Carolyn said that her and her kids handed out candy until they ran out, which was around 6:45, and that's when they turned their light off and stopped answering the door. And what time did they get the pixie sticks? Between 6:45 and 10:45. So somewhere, so somewhere after they shut the light off and went to bed, mm-hmm. is when they're saying they got the pixie sticks from the house. Mm-hmm. So she's trying to say she was sleeping and somebody else handed out candy from her house. 
She's not saying that. She's just saying that they handed out candy and then they turned the light, light off and stopped answering the door. She did say that she never saw Jim, Ronald, or any of the kids in their group. Okay. Well, this is easy. So, was it Jim that went to the door or was it Ronald? It was Ronald that got the pixie sticks, right? Right. Who did he get them from? Did he get them from a guy or a girl? Or do you want to just tell the story? I'll tell the story. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, investigators go door to door, literally, to determine who handed out the pixie sticks. But none of the neighbors that they talked to said that they were handing out pixie sticks, nor did any of their kids receive pixie sticks. Wait, so they're going to other people's houses asking who handed out the pixie sticks? Well, they're trying to determine, like, okay, so if you're going to go and talk to neighbors and say, okay, uh, do you or in, do you know anyone that was handing out giant pixie sticks? Right. Okay, no. Well, so did there's... your kids receive pixie sticks from any of these houses? No. Okay. So they're just asking everybody if they, if anyone else received or gave out pixie sticks. Right. Just Because they don't have anything else to go off of at this point. Okay. Because the the Melvins say that they, one of them wasn't home, the other one turned off their lights. They didn't have pixie sticks, nor did they hand out pixie sticks. I hate it when it feels like a slam dunk, and then it turns into this weird, yeah. can't prove it scenario exactly dr joseph it's a good name yahinchik see he turned into a doctor see what i'm saying yeah this is the naming thing you know yeah you name your kids courtney and they turn into (laughs) serial killers you name them joe or joseph and they end up like doctors and stuff like doing good you know I knew you would take that Dr. Joe thing and run with it. Hey, that's what I'm here for. So I Google pronounced his last name because it's Polish. I know it's Polish. Shavlinski. There's randomly a Z in the middle of it. And it's got a ski on the end. (laughs) No, but it's pronounced. Yeah, it's pronounced Yahinchik. Yahinchik. It's spelled with a J. But not so we're gonna call him Dr. Joseph. Now this is J A H E N C E K. No. Jahinchek. J A C H I M C Z Y K. Of course. I forgot about the Z. I left yeah. the Z out. What's wrong with you? So, Dr. Joseph is called almost immediately. Dr. Joseph is an MD from the University of Tennessee and the University of Mississippi in 1948. He received his JD from Boston College and his Bachelor's of Theology from St. Thomas University. No idea where that is. St. Thomas University? St. Thomas University. I'm guessing it's in Mississippi. I don't know. be honest with you. All right. We'll just let them figure it out. He became the medical examiner in Harris County in 1957. So by this time, he has at least like nine years of medical experience. And that's just since he received his first medical degree. You know what? You want to do something? What? 
we're going to post that question on Facebook. Okay. Right. Where is whatever that you're going to, you'll have to say it. Uh, St. Thomas university. Post that question on Facebook and then have people comment. Mm -hmm. And then out of all the people that comment, we'll pick one winner and we'll send them a koozie and some stickers. Yeah. We'll mention again at the end of this episode. Like I said, Dr. Joseph, he has, he, he's experienced. Um, he's not quite as seasoned as our prosecutor, but he's, he's experienced. He knows what he's doing. The first question Dr. Joseph asked when he got the call was, what does Timothy's breath smell like? Have you ever heard that one? I've never heard that one, but he wouldn't really have breath at this point, right? Is this right. Is not, I mean, well, you know, what does what does his mouth smell like? But um, so the morgue told him that his breath kind of smells like almonds. Mm-hmm. Doctor Joseph knew immediately that Timothy was poisoned with cyanide. Mm. And this is where I explain to you all of the fun facts about cyanide. So we all know that cyanide is a poison. But to go into it a little bit more detail, thanks to Google, cyanide is a chemical compound that contains the group, the group CN. This group, known as the cyano group, consists of a carbon atom triple bonded to a nitrogen atom. Okay. So, uh, soluble salts such as sodium cyanide and potassium cyanide are highly toxic. Cyanide prevents the cells of the body from using oxygen. Did you know that? I did not know that. Um, but apparently cyanide is found in common food items. Like, there's a whole thing about it and how countries that are really poor and don't have, like, food safety regulations. Right. Uh, like, a lot of their people die from cyanide poisoning and call it, it's called Konzo. It has its own name. Yeah. That's not cool. How does it get there? Well, I f so I found that out by looking up why his breath would smell like almonds. And I wanted to know how the doctor knew that. So this is what I found. The cyanide <laughs> uh, consumption with help from the bitter taste of benzaldehyde, which is also responsible for the classic smell of almonds. In fact, cyanide is found in small doses in almonds. In Even almonds. today, I think I've heard that before. Consuming 50 or fewer wild bitter almonds could potentially kill an adult. And just a handful contains enough cyanide to be lethal to a child. Sweet almonds still have trace amounts, but not enough by any reasonable measure to produce dangerous amounts of cyanide. Okay. So that's why his breath would smell like almonds, because cyanide is actually extracted from almonds. Wow. Yeah, I never knew that. I think I heard something about almonds and cyanide, and I yeah. can't remember where I would have heard that. But I yeah. feel like I did hear something to that effect at one point. Yeah. But. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I guess weird factoid, but. Apparently, being poisoned by cyanide is very painful. Oh, is it? Yeah. 
I don't know if you've listened to S-Town. Yes. So remember that? Um. Remember he, didn't he call somebody? He was on the phone with somebody. And should we not say this? Because I feel like maybe we're ruining it. I don't want to ruin it for anybody. We, I don't know. Listen, I remember it. I know it. And I remember it and I know what you're talking about. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to plug right now. If you haven't listened to S Town, go freaking listen to it. Yeah. After yeah, you listen to us first. Of course. Of course. But definitely go listen to it because it's awesome. But yeah, I know what you're talking about. It is described as being, I remember that now that you say something. Yeah. Like extremely he painful. He didn't realize how much it would hurt. Like right. Like he didn't think it was going to hurt. Right. So that's really sad. Long story short, almonds has trace amounts of cyanide in it. So do apple seeds. Maybe that was it. Maybe it was the apple seeds thing. Or was it peach seeds? Oh, maybe peach seeds too. There were several different items. It may have been peach seeds. Yeah. Anyway, and I'm sitting here and I'm only afraid of eating pomegranate seeds. Oh, those are fine. I thought they're... What? They just break your teeth. I thought it was like super dangerous. Yeah, it might be. I don't know. I'm just throwing things out there. Oh, see, don't. Don't encourage people to do silly stuff. I mean, if you're eating seeds at all, other than sunflower seeds and sesame seeds, yeah. you're probably wrong. Probably um, wrong. Okay. Even poppy seeds, you know, those will make you fail a, a drug test. Oh, Not has that happened idea. to you? No, just heard about it. No, but you know what's funny? I never cook anything with poppy seeds in it i never purchase anything with poppy seeds in it and right before rob went to work where he's working now i i brought home poppy seed muffins mm-hmm. <laughs> and rob's like art <laughs> did you do that on purpose yeah you and i was like i was like crew? i was like what are you talking about and he was like i have, I have to take a drug test to get this job and i was like so and he's like, those are poppy seed muffins. <laughs> and I was like, and? Oh, like it took me a while <laughs> to realize it. <laughs> anyway, so. I don't know that they would actually make you fail a drug test. That's just what I've heard. That's the that's the urban legend. Dr. Joseph, back to Dr. Joseph. Uh, he examined the candy and performed the autopsy on Timothy. Okay. So, first note was that it was clear that the pixie sticks were tampered with. Yeah. To remind everyone, pixie sticks are sealed on both ends. Like I said, usually a factory seal, like some type of heat seal. Right. Crimped and then heat sealed. That Yeah. So, imagine the TikTok videos of the moms that are pouring out, like, popsicle juice to put vodka in the popsicles and then they reseal it with a straightener. Mm-hmm. It's similar to that. Yep. But these sticks were stapled shut on one end. Mm. So it was, that's why I said that they are not stapled because yeah. it's clear that they had been opened and then resealed. Well, that's good to know. 
I'm glad mm-hmm. I know that now so that if we do get tampered with pixie sticks, we'll know it. Exactly. I wouldn't have thought twice if I saw staples. Oh, no, no. They're not stapled. So the second note was that the top two inches of the pixie stick was not candy. Uh, so the whole top two inches was cyanide? Oh, yeah. It was packed poison. Oh. Timothy had consumed half of his stick. Wow. So the whole amount of cyanide. The autopsy revealed that Timothy had in fact died from cyanide poisoning and that he had consumed enough to kill two people. Oh. Two adults. And he was eight years old. Oh. Timothy is buried at Forest Park Cemetery in Houston. During the service, Ronald had actually written a song that he sang. Uh, which I originally thought was kind of weird, but he's actually in the choir, yeah. so it's not that weird. Um, the song was about Timothy joining Jesus in heaven, and apparently it was recorded and then broadcasted on television later that night. Wow. I can't find the broadcast. So if anyone does have that broadcast, send it to me. Ronald had actually even uh, gotten kind of irate. That night, because the family didn't want to stay up to watch it. Yeah, that's odd. It was shortly after that, investigators find out that at 9 a.m. on November 1st, which is the next day, Ronald had called the insurance company asking about the payout on Timothy's life insurance. Oh, no, 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 no. We're not going here. Investigators begin to build their case. Oh, my God. Ronald Clark O'Brien was born October 19th, 1944. To the best I can tell, he's always lived in Texas, in or around the Houston area. Uh, Before becoming an optician, Ronald had worked for an insurance company as well as a chemical company. Wow. As an optician for Texas State Optical, he was bringing home around $150 a week. And based on Google's inflation calculator, (laughs) it'd be equivalent to a little over $800 today. Yeah. So it's not like a whole lot, um, but it is an income, right? So at the time, the O'Briens were actually having financial problems. Did I, am I missing something? Is this not the dad? This is the dad. This is the dad? Yeah, I'm just telling you a little bit of background about the dad. No, I know, but... They had recently sold their home and used the money to cover financial obligations. And they had just started leasing the house that they were in when they went trick-or-treating. Investigators actually calculated their debt in detail. And I'm going to tell you. So they got $6,000 back on their home. They owed GAC... $2,000 in delinquent loans, they owed $800 in taxes, and they were behind $1,100 on their car, and it was about to be repossessed. Wow. So they had tried to get loans in, like, several different ways, but were unsuccessful. Did he have a gambling problem, or what was the... No, I mean, he just really wasn't making that much. 
I mean, $800 a week, our time, is not a lot. And it was only $150 a week, their time. So it's really not a whole, whole lot. Mm. So Ronald decided to take out several life insurance policies on his children. Each was covered by a $10,000 policy at the bank as of January 1974. So the Mm. beginning of that year. In August, Ronald asked his manager to order cyanide to use to clean gold glass frames. So I thought this was weird. But uh, research shows that it was actually used to do that at one point in time. But they had already been utilizing other methods for years by this time. Yeah, I figured that sounded like something that may have been done way, way earlier in Mm -hmm. the past before... Mm -hmm you know, proper research had been done with different chemicals. Right. Uh, The manager referred him to someone higher up in the company. Huh. Uh, Then at the beginning of September, Ronald contacted Bobby Terry. So Bobby Terry worked with uh, Ronald at Argo Chemical Company in previous years, and Bobby was still employed there. Ronald tells Bobby that, like, he's taken a class at the local college, and they're having a discussion about cyanide, and so he was, you know, curious. Hmm. And so they discussed cyanide and the different forms of it, and Ronald, he's just wondering where someone would get some. Right. Of course. No big deal. So Bobby explained that uh, anyone could probably get it at Curtin Matheson Scientific Company. That makes sense. So a science... Supply company? Right. Okay. So Ronald's like, you know, I'm just going to go check it out. And so he goes. And he's like, I just need the smallest amount. And they're like, okay, so the smallest amount's five pounds. Oh. That's the smallest amount. And so Ronald's like, well, that's too much. So he tells the salesperson, David Lee Jackson. Can you tell me where to get smaller amounts of it? I don't need that much. Then at the end of September, Ronald took out another $20,000 on each of his kids through a life insurance agent. Oh my God. So then a few days before Halloween, Ronald notified the bank that he's expecting a large sum of money before the end of the year, and then he'd be taking care of all his debts. I mean, how do you even, you can't think you're going to get away with that. That's, man, wow. I'm in shock right now. <laughs> I don't know what to say. After Timothy's murder, I'm going to I'm, I'm call it a murder because that's what it is. Yeah. It's the worst kind. Ronald was discussing arrangements with the funeral director. And he informed Ronald that he would need to order a death certificate. And he would need a separate one for each of Timothy's life insurance policies. Mm. Ronald ordered six. So he had six life insurance policies on his kid. Well, I don't know that. I just know he ordered six. Just in case. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't want to get too few. Investigators decide to search the O'Brien home. You know, just to check. 
Yeah. They find a pair of scissors that had a lavender plastic substance with a purple colored stain. Uh, a knife that had that also had wax on it and also clear crystal particles. So the scissors had wax on them? Mm-hmm. Okay. Clear particles. Mm-hmm. Sugar? Mm, possible. Okay. These would be uh, suspected remnants of pixie sticks. However, right. substances testing failed to match positively. So they couldn't really identify what was... So this is 1974. It's difficult, right? Yeah. It didn't matter because Ronald was arrested anyway and taken in for questioning. Yeah, I think they pretty much got all they need here. Uh, He's indicted on one count of murder and four counts of attempted murder. Mm. He pleads not guilty. Of course he does. His defense literally blames the pixie stick being laced with poison on the boogeyman. Huh? Is this where the boogeyman came from? No, but that's what? that's literally what they blame it on. The boogeyman. That was their defense. Well, I mean, it's safe to say his lawyer's not going anywhere. Ronald loved all the attention he was getting. Oh, okay. Like, loved it. Especially when the media labeled him the Candyman. Oh, my God. So, he goes to court with confidence. You know, he's confident. Because, obviously, the Boogeyman did it. Was he insane? Like, did they did they find him insane at some point? Well, let's see what happens. His neighbors, friends, and his family, including his wife, all testify against him. Wow. Ronald had had conversations with just about everyone regarding cyanide, lethal dosages, money payouts, taking care of debts by the end of the year, quitting his job. Oh, my God. I guess I don't really know exactly how life insurances pay out, but they're not I'm going to quit my job type payouts. Well, I mean, they can be, right? But not not like not he, he had, had though. No, I mean, if it's you're talking about 20,000. Right, okay. I mean, he probably couldn't afford yeah. a super life insurance policy, anything that would have actually given him the opportunity to do that. But it sounds like he did this on his right. own. Right, and that was one of the things his wife said. So he did this on his own. Like this his wife wasn't involved in this either. So she knew about she knew about the first life insurance policy because she complained cuz she told him they could it was an expense that they couldn't afford and it was right. unnecessary. No, I'm saying like this whole this whole thing that went down, like him murdering his child was oh, something yeah. that she had no idea what was coming. She didn't know anything about it. Wow. Right. On June 3rd, 1975, after about 46 minutes of deliberating, the jury comes back with a guilty verdict on yeah. all five counts. He was sentenced to death by lethal injection. They should have brought back burning at the stake just for this guy. Uh, there were several appeals, oh, which yeah. were all denied. So, Ronald Clark O'Brien was put to death on March 30th, 1984 in Huntsville, Texas. 
He's buried in Webster, Texas, which is actually like between Houston and Galveston, next to League City. There was a last statement, but it's really long. Uh, if you want to read it, you can go to TDCJ. They have it all there. He, I mean, he, he's like, so, I don't know, y'all are doing the wrong thing. I don't know, blah, blah, blah. No. Um, His tombstone just says son on his it. His tombstone says son? Yeah, like just, you know how some almost say like wife, mother, yeah. blah, blah, blah. His just says son. His wife divorced him like right after his conviction, married someone else. And that guy adopted their daughter, Elizabeth. Why didn't they put Boogeyman on his tombstone? When you die by lethal injection, I'm pretty sure there's not a whole lot that goes into your afterlife. You know? I mean, we're getting into that now? No, you know, it's whatever. <laughs> uh, So, yeah. So, he killed his son. Wow. Um, I think it's important to note that while we have heard all the urban legends about Halloween candy, we talked about it at the beginning of this episode, you know, with the Pez dispensers and the drugs and the sharp objects. Other than this one man that poisoned his own son, there is actually no reason for parents to worry. Other than Timothy, there has never been a single case where a child has actually died after eating Halloween candy. But there has been tampered with candy. There has been. I think that there was one case, and I want to, and, and I was reading because I wanted to make sure I got all this right in Minnesota, where someone had put needles yeah. in Snicker bars, and one girl ate bit into the Snicker bar and she got like pricked, and that was it. Hmm. So there's never actually been a situation where. Kids have died from eating Halloween candy. So you're saying the razor blades and the candy apple were a made-up story? Never happened. Nah, uh, never happened. It was all, it's all urban legends. I feel kind of let down now. <laughs> I would be more concerned about, like, a Michael Myers type situation. What did our parents lie to us about next? Yeah, our whole lives. Our whole lives. Where did all the tampered candy go? Yeah. Where'd all these stories come from? Mm-hmm. I'm telling you. Some serious imaginations. That is a note to people. Uh, if you come here, I don't care if you're hurting your own kid, we will kill you back. Well, yeah. That's so sad, though. That is, ah, that is... How... Words can't describe this kind of thing. I don't understand it. What is wrong with you? There, you know... They they need to study this guy's brain to figure out what was wrong with him. They should have. Yeah. I mean, that's... First of all, you're insane to think you're going to get away with something like that. That's way too yeah. easy to track. So that I have a... It just makes me feel like the guy had something wrong with him. He had to have something wrong with him. There's no way he was sane. Right. When I was reading the story, um, the whole time I kept thinking... Because I knew how it ended. Um, but the whole time I kept thinking, this just sounds like if he had not been caught, he easily would have turned into a serial killer. Well, right, because the money's going to run out and he's going to go to the next one. But um, Right, they made it seem like he did it just for the insurance, which, I, I mean, he did, but he was just way too interested in right. how it works. 
and you know does that make sense somebody that's trying to do something quick and easy just you know and is scared and worried about it especially doing it to your own son they would you know almost go like insane about it like just like really overkill but no he was methodical about it he took the time to seek out these people and research stuff and talk about it to all these people which it was stupid but i'm just saying he was thinking about it for a long time Man. And I just, I just feel like it takes a special type right. of psycho. It takes, yeah, I mean that's, man. I can't believe the warning signs weren't listened to. Like, it, you're already broke, and you're putting, you know, you're putting massive. Well, I say massive for them at that point in time. Insurance plans on your children. Right. And then you add more. Mm-hmm. I feel like red flags were everywhere, especially when he's running around talking about cyanide. Yeah, to everybody. And then um, tons of people were saying that, like, he didn't seem like he was super sad at the hospital. He didn't seem sad at the funeral. He was more concerned about his song. Uh, and. Yeah. A lot of people saw him, like, lose his mind because people didn't want to stay up to watch his broadcast. And then at the trial, everybody said that he was just, he didn't even care. I mean, this is a typical sociopath, but Mm -hmm. you would think even a sociopath would have some type of empathy for their own son. Like, that's incredibly. But that's the thing. A person. A person who's not, like you said, a sociopath that would literally die for their own child right. is they would never even consider doing anything to hurt their child or any other kid. Man. I mean, I've heard of stories where, you know, people take out a life insurance policy on themselves and then try to find a way to have themselves killed so that their family can be taken care of. Right. But he was like, uh-uh, I'm going to take one of you out. Man. Mm. On to the next. Yeah. So as our own little trick-or-treat, let's say anybody that... We're going to put the question up on Facebook. So we'll do Facebook and Instagram, and we'll send out a koozie and some stickers to winners on each one. So one on each... So you got to comment the location of St. Thomas University, city and state. And if you if you got it right, you'll be in the drawing. And then we'll send out. We'll do a signed koozie. We'll get all three of us to do autographs on it. And then we'll send out kick-ass koozie and some kick-ass stickers. So just remember, everybody, stay safe and have a happy Halloween. Yeah, happy Halloween.